0: Father God, I thank you that um, you know where each and every one of us are at and what we're carrying, Father, and I just pray, Father, that you would uh, just bring us to a place now, Father, where you can uh, just speak into us, Holy Spirit, and that we can leave everything at your feet. Thank you, Father, that you are all things to all people, and uh, just pray that as we approach your throne of grace with confidence this morning, as your word says, that we um, Our eyes would be lifted unto you, and our spirits um, would reflect the image that they're made in, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
1: thank you God just for that revelation and that understanding God of your love your love that endures forever Father that you first loved us and God as I've been meditating upon that this morning Lord I'm so grateful that no matter where we've been or what we've done God, that you've loved us and you love us. And it's your will that none should perish. Yes. Jesus, you said you are the only way to the Father. I yes. pray, God, that we would really grasp the fullness of your love and salvation. We wouldn't continue to find fulfillment in the things of this earth and the temporal things of life, but that God we would be satisfied in Christ. So I thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning and Just open up your word and to be encouraged. God, that we will not grow weary in doing good. Father, we know that in due time we will reap a harvest if we faint not. Remind us, God, that after we've done all we know to do, then you've called us just to stand. And to stand firm then the hope that we find in Christ and in Christ alone. Our walk with you, Father, is not based on our circumstances. Our walk in our life is solely in Christ and what he has accomplished. Through the cross, through his death, through his resurrection. Knowing that, Father, we have the victory in Christ Jesus. So thank you father but yet though this earth may be growing darker God your word is going forth to being declared throughout the nations of the earth and men and women and boys and girls are coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ lives are being transformed captives are being set free hope is being restored And yet, though there may be brothers and sisters of ours who are Christians, who are being persecuted, Father, I pray that in the midst of this, God, that they would just have the joy of the Lord. The hope in Christ. And that their captors and others, God, may come to Christ through this persecution. Your ways are not our ways, God. So, Father, I thank you. Bless your people, Father, as we open up your word this day. May we have good soil, that our hearts would receive it and would take root, and that our roots would grow down deep. We would be mature, be complete, not lacking anything. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning to everyone good morning. psalms 34 verse 14 search turn from evil and do good, and do good. Search, for search
0: for peace and work
1: hard to maintain, and it. Hard to maintain it it's vital and again I'm going to continue to bring this verse in front of us and remind you it's really a short verse and each of us should know it hopefully by now we're hearing it every week since January. But not just hearing it, but are we living it? Are we experiencing it? And each week and each day, I, I think upon this scripture and, and hopes to find encouragement in it for myself and encouragement for us as I pray for us. Encouragement for the body of Christ, especially in the day and age in which we're living. And as I reflected upon it this week, I asked the Lord, I so said, Lord, give us, and not just us, but give those that we're ministering to and encouraging a true vision. That your arm is not stiffed-armed towards us, but that your arms were stretched and nailed to a cross to receive us. He did that for you for me such great salvation found in Christ and in Christ alone that he willingly laid his life down no greater love than this this is the love of Christ you all he's not stiffed arm. he's not holding you at bay no, he's receiving you, if you would come if you would come With a sincere heart. The Bible says, if you seek Him, you will find Him. If you seek Him with your whole heart, this is God, you all. God, who longs to be in fellowship with you, who longs to have you with Him. And we've talked about that as we're going through the Bible. God's plan to have a people that He will call His own. And that in return they will call him their God. That's the theme I'm really hoping that you'll see as we're going through the Bible. So that you can get a really good revelation of who your God is. When there's so much chaos going on in this world. When people have the wrong view of God. When people are trying to make God in their image. I read through a string of of comments last night. And I was so broken, because all I kept reading was all these false narratives and, 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 and what, how people wanted God to be, and how even the, the people who were creating this false God, even though they were slapping Jesus' name on it, then so-called Christians were joining the conversation, and they would begin to start watering down the gospel to appease the people who were blasphemous. And I thought, wow. God help us. I begin to pray for us. How are you doing out there witnessing? For the one in whom you say, if you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself a Christian, the one in whom you say has delivered you out of darkness into light. The one who, who you are claiming uh, of such great love has redeemed you, has purchased you, who has marked you as his own, his, his special possession. How are we doing? Let us not try to appease man and make them feel good in their sin. No, let's offer them the hope that is only found in Christ. The only one who can deliver us from darkness into light. Who will strengthen us to turn from evil and to do good. To seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. Not to allow our circumstances to define us. But to allow his fullness of his love and the expression of his love to be lived among us, in us, and through us. We ought not to be a people who represent him, holding stiff arms towards people. No, we're to be like our Father. Our arms are to be open to receive. And in receiving, we speak truth. Jesus spoke truth. His message didn't change. Repent. Turn from your sins. Turn to God. Repent. Go and sin no more. Like, we are without excuse. The Bible says that He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. We are without excuse. If we're living still evil in a way that is consumed by a sinful nature, then we have the stiffed arm towards God. Saying, He's not God. You're not God. I'm going to do me. I'm going to live how I want. three things the war against you your flesh the world and satan the enemy and through scripture you'll find the hope that is in Christ that sin has been defeated uh, the world's desire for you has been canceled And your desires for the things of this world are done away with. And the enemy is defeated. Do you believe that though? Sometimes we make our own desires greater than our God. Sometimes we make the pool of this world greater than our God. And sometimes you make the enemy greater than our God. We have to have the right vision, you all. If we're truly going to be people who are going to turn from evil and do good, who are going to seek for peace and work hard to maintain it, then we truly have to have the right vision of who our God is. He is God. He is victorious. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He rules. He reigns from from, from the beginning to the end. He's God and God alone. There's no one else like him. And he is holy. He is righteous. And he calls us as his own. Come out from the filth and live right. And in and of ourselves, he knows we can't, so he empowers us with this Holy Spirit. And we can walk. A fresh and anew each day. Even when we fail. Even when we fail. We can walk afresh and anew. Each day. Each day. To know our God. To walk with our God. To honor our God. To trust in our God. Are you walking with him? Are you allowing him to really get to the depths of your very being to heal you so that you would be a reflection to others? Your life in Christ is more about others than you, it is that you would be a light and hope to the captives. But some of us are more comfortable with our captivity. And so we want just a little bit of God, but we like to keep the rest of the foolishness and the folly around us because we're comfortable with it. And how sad. How sad. Because you're making a mockery of His blood. You're making His blood common. You're making your sin greater than His blood. You're making the world's desire greater than His victory. And you're making the enemy's throne when you live that way, higher than his, and all along is what the enemy wanted. In reality, though, the truth of it all, God's throne is the highest. The enemy's defeated. The world, the pull of it, is done away with. It is done away with, and the desires of our flesh. Are submitted. That's how Christians should be living. That's how we ought to be living. There's nothing enticing of the world that, that should be drawing us any longer. We should see the foolishness of it and go, no, thank you. Been there, done that. We should see the wholeness that we are in Christ so that when temptation comes, we can resist it and rest assured the Bible says He makes a way out of every temptation. When the enemy comes breathing, we can stand with the assurance that our God is for us and not against us, and that he is the defeated foe, that the enemy cannot touch us, because we are covered by his blood. And we can rest assured that as he's chasing us down, that we have the victory in Christ, that we can stand and stand firm then, that the battle belongs to the Lord. And not to us. But to rest assured, you all, that God has given us what we need. To turn from evil and to do good. To seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. Some Some of us are living chaotic lives. And the reason why they're chaotic is you. It's no one else. It's you. It's the choices that you're making. Each and every single day. To stiff arm your God. To stiff arm your God and say you're not God. Let him be God. Well, my circumstances haven't changed, they haven't changed, this is going on, that is going on, but he's still God. And what if your circumstances never change? What if they remain just the way they are or even get worse? Does that make him less of a God? No. He's God. When I think about those women over in India who live in the trash dump. Like, I don't know if we can even conceive it. I mean, they don't live poor like the poor live here in our nation. Like, these people are so, 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 so poor, they have nothing. And they live in the trash dump. And yet, though they live in the trash dump, they build these little huts out of trash. Trash. And they are looked upon as the lowest of the lowest of the lowest of society. I can only imagine the insecurity that they live with. Each and every single day with no love, with no hope. Their circumstances. The stench of filth every day. And when missionaries have gone in. And have shared the love of God. The hope that is found in Christ. That there is one who loves them. There is one who came. And has redeemed them. Has purchased them. And they accept Jesus. They're not looking to get out of the dump. They're looking at making a difference while they're still in the dump. They get up every day. And they organize the trash. They sweep outside their little hut. And make it as as presentable as it can be to invite other people in to hear about Jesus. And so the question is, what are we doing? And you say, oh, this is hard. This makes me feel guilty. This makes me feel..." Well, you know what? That's because you're looking at yourself. Get over yourself. It's not supposed to be making you feel guilty or burdened or whatever. I'm hoping that you get some spark of insight as to who our God is that you will go out and live for him every single day of your life and stop making excuses to remain stuck. It's you who's who's choosing. These women get up every single day. And did you hear what I said? They're not looking to get out of the dump. (laughs) They're looking at making a difference while they're there. How are you making a difference? Where you're at and in your circumstances. We want so much more, and yet we're not even faithful with what we have.
0: Mm.
1: Come on, you all. And that's why the outside people look at the church and go, but these women are impacting the dump. <laughs> there is a revival taking place, and in the, in the place in society over there that you wouldn't even imagine would be taking place. These people are getting up every day rejoicing. And the world outside the dump is looking into the dump. Wondering what is going on in there. Why do they have so much hope and joy? And people are now from the outside coming into the dump. Being ministered to. See you all, we gotta know our God. He is a great, loving, compassionate God. He changes us. He delivers us. We don't remain the same. And I know that people want it to be that way. I know people just want to say, I know Jesus, I love Jesus, and I'm just going to live however I want. No, that's not Jesus. That is not Jesus. Again, Jesus' arm is not stiff arming you. Jesus' arms will pull back and nail to a cross because he willingly laid his life down for you because he loves you. And his arms are open to receive you. His arms are open to receive you just as you are. Come, he says. And as you come, I'm going to transform you. I'm going to give you my desires. I'm going to give you my hope. You're going to live differently. You're going to act differently. You're going to talk differently. You're going to be a light to the dark world. This is the hope that we have. To turn from evil and to do good. To seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. Oh God, give us the understanding to live this way. Go to Exodus chapter 23 verse 14. And we're going to read through chapter 25, verse 40. And I hope that you're coming encouraged each and and every single Sunday. Because we're getting more and more of a revelation of who our God is. We're walking through the Bible. And I don't have the time to really sit down to break down, if you would, the depths of, of, of the revelation that are involved in these scriptures. I'm going to break down, I'm going to share the insights that I hope would encourage you to live for your God. But I want to challenge you. Get into the Word. Go throughout the week. Open up your Bible. Open up commentaries. What does this mean? What does this festival mean? How does this relate to Christ? And be encouraged. Grow in your faith. I've got just a short time with you to to encourage you in the Word of God. And my main hope and my main purpose is to encourage you to go towards him, to know him, remember his purpose, to have a people that you will call his own and that they will call him their God, that they will live for him, that they will honor him. So he's establishing from the beginning, as we're seeing, a covenant community with his creation. He longs to be with his creation. But he loves us enough to give us what we want. And we don't want him. It's your choice. But why would you turn from such great love? So he's constantly pursuing us. You're not going to find satisfaction in anything else. You will only find fulfillment in Christ. If you're not fulfilled today then seek Him even more. Especially as a believer. Seek Him even more. Because if you're not fulfilled, your eyes have wandered off. Because when you get a full picture of who He is, you are satisfied in Him. And I'm not saying it because, you know, it's just the right words to say. No, I'm saying it because it's, it's, it's how I've lived my life. It's how I've seen others live their lives. I see that's what the Bible says, that how he transforms us. Yes, there's been many of the seasons I've wanted to walk away and say, God, I don't want this anymore. What I don't want is him. Like, this is too hard. Make it easier, God. And then he always brings me back to a place, not my will, God, but yours. Yes, there's seasons of frustration, there's seasons of doubt, there's seasons of fear. There's all these seasons that come in, but they're not to define you. (laughs) Because you're already defined by God. And so in the midst of those seasons and in the midst of chaos, you stand with the assurance of who your God is and you boldly proclaim it. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. Because God is faithful. God is faithful. And He's establishing this covenant, this community of covenant with Him. He, he's bringing forth an understanding and a revelation to who he, who he is to His people, but not just for His people, but for the other nations. Because remember, the other godless nations, they weren't afraid of the Israelites. They were afraid of the God of the Israelites. They would even go so far to respect him at times, but not serve him. And so it is today. People may respect God, but that doesn't mean that they're serving God. There's a difference. They have a knowledge of God, but they don't have the intimate relationship with Him. And that's what God desires. God is not looking for religious works. God is looking for an intimate relationship. And so I'm excited as we're opening up the Word. We're getting more and more depth of of who He is and, and how He works. And you get a revelation of truth. And so we see here in verse 14 of chapter 23. Each year you must celebrate three festivals in my honor. First, celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days the bread you eat must be made without yeast. Just as I commanded you. Celebrate this festival annually at the appointed time in the early spring in the month of Abib. For that is the anniversary of your departure from Egypt. No one may appear before me without an offering. To worship our God. He's setting aside these three festivals. But the reality of worshiping our God is a day-in and day-daily lifestyle. Making him God. Making him known. (laughs) Living for him. Remembering what he has done. Do you remember when he brought you out of Egypt? When he has delivered you from your slavery of sin? (laughs) The taskmaster of the enemy and the pool of the world? (laughs) We ought to celebrate it. You ought to remember it. Should remind you of his great power. You didn't set yourself free. No matter how many rules and how many steps you did, you didn't set yourself free. If you are free, it is only because of Christ Jesus. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. They don't keep going back, they don't keep going back, they don't keep acting like they were. No, you're free. You're free. And when Egypt comes a calling, you go a running towards the one who set you free. When Pharaoh wants to scream and holler and his armies are chasing you, run to the one who has delivered you. Do you remember? You're not to have a slave mentality any longer. You have been freed. You've been freed to live differently. To act differently, to love differently, to hope differently. Freedom in Christ. And he's setting aside these times for them to come in and to honor him and to worship him. And worship is just not the time and the service with music. No, worship is a lifestyle. But when the music is playing and we are starting up in service, that should be a time that you're preparing your heart and you're longing To worship your God. Not like everyone else is. As you're growing and as you're developing your faith with God. But you ought not to be busy looking at everything else. Talking to everyone else. Doing everything else. Because you're insulting God. (laughs) It's a time to worship. Well I don't know how to worship. Then sit still. Put your phones down. Stop talking. Stop moving around. (laughs) And learn to be what it's like to cultivate a relationship with your God. To focus, to close your eyes and just say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Daddy. To raise your hands to honor Him. To stand in His presence. To to sit in His presence. To engage with Him. And that's how it should be throughout your day. Just engaging with your Father. Engaging with the One who calls you His own, who's adopted you, who has engrafted you into His kingdom. For those who have accepted Him, that's what it boils it down to. Just because you come to churches that make you a Christian, just because you may talk about the things of God or post the scripture here and there on your social media, it means nothing unless you're living it. Unless you're living it. He's desiring a people that will live as his own. And look at what he's laying out here. He says, second, celebrate the festival of harvest. When you bring me the first crops of your harvest, Finally, celebrate the festival of the final harvest at the end of the harvest season, when you have harvested all the crops from your fields. At these three times each year, every man in Israel must appear before the sovereign. Before the, so, I'm sorry, before the sovereign, the Lord. You must not offer the blood of my sacrificial offerings together with any baked goods containing yeast, and do not leave the fat from the festival offerings until the next morning. As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. You must not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. There's going to be a lot of things that you're going to read through, especially as we're going through the Old Testament. Again, it's not going to really make sense to us. But I would encourage you, read. Know your God. He's very detailed and very specific on what he asks for and what he requests. He's all about obedience. Living a life that's honoring him. He wants your best. He doesn't want your second best. Did you all hear that? Like he wants your best. He doesn't want the little time you have left over for him. No, he wants your best. Like your fullness. Not after you've had all your relations with everyone else, and then, okay, there you are, God. Not after seeking everything else in this world, and then, there you are, God. No, that God is to be first. And from that point, everything else falls into place. You order your time with the understanding of that. Give Him your best. Some of us pay more attention to a three-hour movie than an hour and a half service sitting in here. And yet we think we've showed up and we've done something for God. God doesn't honor that. He doesn't want that. You might as well stay home, watch another movie. He doesn't even like when you give and you don't even have a cheerful heart. Might as well keep your money, <laughs> keep your resources. He doesn't want your second best. He wants the fullness. He's God, and from it's undi- from that point you live. Like I'm not letting anything else come before Him. No, He's God. Even your relationships. I love Gilda. But I don't love her more than God. I love my daughter and my grandchildren, but I don't love them more than God. I love you all, but I don't love you all more than God. As soon as I make either Gilda, my, my daughter, my grandkids, or one of you, and loving you more than I love God, I'm, I'm putting more into you than I am into my relationship with God, I'm messed up. There has to be a proper order. And that's what he's designing here. These people back in this day, they understand this. Remember, they, had, they were slaves for 400 years under extreme conditions. And even in that 400 years of slavery, they cried out for God. But for 400 years they were enslaved. And at the appointed time, God sent Moses to deliver them. So these people are, are chaotic. Their mindset, their heart set, everything that pulls them and drives them, it's not towards God. And we're going to see that as we continue to get to know them. But God is revealing himself time and time and time again to them. And now he's setting up these three festivals for remembrance and to honor him. He goes on here. See, I'm sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and lead you safely to the place, look at this, I have prepared for you. Not that you prepared for yourself, or not to the place that you would desire to go, but God has prepared a place for his people. And I love the fact that we see here that he is promising his presence among them. To honor them, or to honor him. Look at what he's saying here. I'm sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and lead you safely to the place I prepared for you. Pay close attention to him and obey his instructions. Do not rebel against him for he is my representative and he will not forgive your rebellion. But if you are careful to obey him following all my instructions, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. And I will oppose those who oppose you, for my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, pa- the, par- the Canaanites, the H- Hivites, and the Jebusites, so you may live there, and I will destroy them completely. You must not worship the gods of these nations or serve them in any way, look at this, or imitate their evil practices. Instead, you must utterly destroy them and smash their sacred pillars. You must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, I will bless you with food and water and I will protect you from illness. Then you, there will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land, and I will give you long, full lives. I will send my terror ahead of you and create panic among all the people whose lands you invade. I will make all your enemies turn and run. I will send terror ahead of you to drive out the ites. <laughs> But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land will become desolate and the wild animals would multiply and threaten you. I will drive them out a little at a time until your population has increased enough to take possession of the land. I will fix your boundaries from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea. And from the eastern wilderness to the Euphrates River, I will hand over to you the people now living in the land, and you will drive them out ahead of you. Make no treaties with them or their gods. They must not live in your land, or they will cause you to sin against me. If you serve their gods, you will be caught in the trap of idolatry. Did you hear that? Keep God first. God protects, God blesses, God cares for his people. But if you choose to go your way, if you choose to go the ways of the world, if you choose to yoke yourself with the enemy, that's your choice. Remember, he's a God of love and he's a God of wrath. He's a God of wrath and he's a God of love. So wherever you see his wrath, you'll see His love. Wherever you see His love, you'll see His wrath. You see it all throughout Scripture. Even though today, people like to do away with Him being a God of wrath and just make Him a God of love. But you have to know Him for the fullness of who He is. He's warning them. He's telling them. Like, if you do these things, but if you choose to go your way, then so be it. And you say, well, that was back in the Old Testament. Jesus is full of grace. He just passed out hugs and muffins. Everything's hippie and loving and everything's great and kumbaya. Well, no, that's not Jesus, you all. I know that's how we like to see him. But open up your Bible. God is the same today as he was yesterday, as he will be Tomorrow. In fact I told you. Go read Hebrews. He tells us why. Even the understanding. Of the Old Testament. And of the Israelites. Are kept in his word. For us. Go read it. Thank God you all. He desires for us. To be with him. Not to be with another. Not to serve other gods. He's telling them, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to protect you. You're going to have to go in, but I've got you. You're going to have to face your enemies, but i got you. And I'm going to do it in my time. So many times we get so frustrated because God's not moving fast enough for us. You wouldn't be able to handle (laughs) if God moved fast enough to get you to where he has for you. You ought to let God do in his perfect timing what he wants to do in your life and through your circumstances. So many times we pray for a breakthrough to get out, but you ought to be praying for wisdom while you're in. (laughs) So that when the breakthrough comes, you can step out with what you need. To really embrace the season that he's about to bring you into. Come on. Let us be encouraged in this. He's preparing a way for them. Do you see how loving he is? (laughs) He's preparing a way. He's giving them wisdom and understanding. Chapter 24, Then the Lord instructed Moses, Come up here to me and bring along Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of Israel's elders. All of you must worship from a distance. Only Moses is allowed to come near the Lord. The others must not come near, and none of the people are allowed to climb up the mountain with him. Then Moses went down to the people and repeated all of the instructions and regulations the Lord had given him. All the people answered with one voice, so they were in agreement, they were in unity, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. At that moment, that was their heart's cry. Yes, Lord. But as soon as things get rough, as soon as all of a sudden they take their eyes off of their God who has delivered them. Oh, they're no longer in agreement. There's division among the camp. Those who will follow God and those who are like, no, He's not God. We will create our own God. And you see it. Oh, that we would not be a wishy-washy people, but that we would be a people rooted in Christ we're honoring him that we're loving him with our whole hearts our whole being not just oh thank you Lord and, and then then you get the phone call and run off with your adulterous person or you're giving yourself to idols The things that that draw you and you feel some sense of wholeness when you're around them or when you have it in your hands. That's not God-fearing. God is desiring of people who will love Him and fear Him. Not a people who allow fear to turn and make you run away from Him but an understanding that you can come close to him. He's a God who longs to be with you, you are. So at this moment, they're in agreement. Then Moses carefully wrote down all the Lord's instructions. Early the next morning, Moses got up and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. He also set up 12 pillars, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent Some of the young Israelite men to present burnt offerings and sacrifice bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses drained half the blood from these animals into basins. The other half he splattered against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it aloud to the people. Again, they all responded, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. Then Moses took the blood from the basins and splattered it over the people, declaring, look, this blood confirms the covenant the Lord has made with you and giving you these instructions. Blood. Ultimately, whose blood redeems us? Christ. Jesus. We're sprinkled with his blood. We're washed in his blood. a beautiful picture is being displayed to us here of obedience of worship of covenant then Moses Aaron Nadab Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain could you imagine there they saw the god of Israel under his feet there seemed to be a surface as brilliant as blue lapis lazuli, as clear as the sky itself. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain, stay there, and I will give you the tablets of stone on which I have inscribed the instructions and commands. So you can teach the people. So Moses and his assistant Joshua set out. And Moses climbed up the mountain of God. And I want you to remember remember the name Joshua. It's important. It's important. He was Moses' assistant. And when I think of the relationship... And I think of what Joshua must have experienced following Moses and learning of Moses, but ultimately what he learned of God. See, Moses didn't point Joshua just to Moses. He was pointing Joshua to God. And he was building character into Joshua. As we should be doing with others. As we should be doing. Who is looking upon your walk with God? And is moved to follow with you. People ought to be. People ought to be. If you're not building relationships, something's wrong. And the majority of your relationship has. No level of godliness or, or understanding of, of, of devotion and worship and prayer time together and encouraging and edifying and building up. Something's wrong if you're calling yourself a Christian. If you're not a Christian, then you're perfectly right where you're at. But I hope you don't stay there too long. I hope you come to Christ. We've got to wake up. They've got to wake up. Our lives are to be impacting others. And we see here that Moses is influencing Joshua, the next generation, to come. So it is today. Our lives ought to be influencing others for the kingdom of God.
0: where I was.
1: 14? Yep. Verse 14. Moses told the elders, stay here and wait for us until we come back. Aaron and her are here with you. If anyone has a dispute while I'm gone, consult with them. Then Moses climbed up the mountain and the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for 6 days and on the 7th day the lord called to moses from inside the cloud to the israelites and at the front of the mountain the glory of the lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire then moses disappeared into the cloud as he climbed up higher the up higher i'm sorry climbed higher up in the mountain he remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights wow This isn't just a good bedtime story, you all. This isn't just a fun little book to read. No, these are actual events. The presence of God. The glory of God. These lives were being impacted. From then until now, God is making himself known to mankind. That's why I always keep telling you over the past couple weeks, God is without fault. You may want to blame him for things, but God is without fault. He's done everything to reveal himself. It's you who's at fault. And on the day that you stand before him, you'll have to give an account. Either you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in to my rest. Or he'll say, depart from me. You worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And you may be among those who will say, but didn't I do this and didn't I do that and didn't I do this and didn't I do that? And he says, I don't know you. We weren't in relationship. I know we all like to play safe. But you know where you're at. No one else has to tell you. No one else has to judge you. You know in the depths of your being, when you close your eyes, when the car is screeching up on you and you're about to be hit, do you have the assurance that you're in relationship with the living God, that you love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, that you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You only have this side of heaven to make that choice. Are you living for him? And the doctor comes in and tells you that you just have a few weeks to live. I mean, come on. Is he God or is he not? You know. You know. Be at peace with God. Romans 5 1 says, Now therefore. You're at peace with God through Jesus Christ your Lord. I told you last week, one of the greatest revelations is the scripture where it says, Jesus came to destroy the fear of death. And how I lived so long, even as a young child, afraid of death. For many years, but now I'm afraid no more. <laughs> It doesn't matter what comes our way, what goes our way, the the ups and the downs of life, the circumstances that seem overbearing. God is still God, and that's why we can go forth with the assurance that He's God. We can advance His kingdom. We can proclaim the gospel, no matter how they treat us, no matter how they look at us, no matter what they say. We can go forward in the assurance that he has already gone before us. We're just following the path that he has carved out for us. He makes every crooked path straight. Go. (laughs) Proclaim the good news. Rejoice in your God. Love the Lord your God. For 40 days and for 40 nights, Moses is gone. He's in the presence of God. The Lord said to Moses, Chapter twenty-five: Tell the people of Israel to bring their s- s- sacred offerings. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. Here is the list of sac- sacred offerings you may accept from them: gold, silver, and bronze; blue, purple, and scarlet thread; fine linen and goat hair for cloth; tanned ramskins. And fine goatskin leather a cassia wood olive oil for lamps spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense onyx stones and other gemstones to be set in the ephod of the priest chess piece had the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them you must build this Tabernacle and its furnishings exactly accordingly, I mean, sorry, exactly according to the pattern I will show you. So, the plans for the ark of the covenant listen how specific God is. Have the people make an ark of a cassia of wood, a sacred chest 45 inches long, 20 inches wide, and 27 inches high. Overlay it inside and outside with pure gold, and run a moulding of gold all around it. Cast four gold rings and attach them to its four feet, two rings on each side. Make poles from the see wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings at the sides of the ark to carry it. These carrying poles must stay inside the rings. never remove them. When the ark is finished, place inside it the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I give, which I will give to you. Then make the ark's cover, the place of atonement, from pure gold. It must be 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. Then make two cherubim from hammered gold and place them on the two ends of the atonement cover. Mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover making it all of one piece of gold. The cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover. With their wings spread over it, they will protect it. Place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give to you. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark. I will meet you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim the, that hover over the Ark of the Covenant. From there, I will give my commands to the people of Israel. Wow. He's creating this place of worship. And here, what a beautiful, I mean, this, this doesn't even do how it was made. <laughs> this is what he's talking about. Have you seen this? I'm walking around for a moment. Look at that. This is what he's telling them to build. And inside, they have to keep all the little articles and stuff that he gave them to remember who he is the Lord, their God. Beautiful. And did you see what he's saying? Like, I'm going to meet you there, I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to give you my commands. I'm going to lead you. And as it is, that was then, but even as it is today, when we gather together, churches throughout the world, when we gather in, in, under His name and in His presence, like we're there to hear from Him. I've encouraged y'all before, how's your heart when you come to gather together? Have you been have you prayed up? Have have you prayed for others? Have have you prayed for me? Have you prayed that your heart would be of good soul to receive, to hear, and to apply the truths that we're learning? Have you come in to serve others? To offer yourself, to think of others better than yourself. Because that's how we're to live. We're God's people, you all. And here he's made these, these, and he's given these instructions on how to build this sanctuary, this temple. Then he goes on in verse 23, plans for a table. And then make a table of a cassia wood, 36 inches long, 18 inches wide, and 27 inches high. Overlay it with pure gold and run a gold molding around the edge. Decorate it with three-inch border all around and run a gold molding along the border Make four gold rings for the table and attach them at the four corners next to the four legs Attach the rings near the border to hold the poles that are used to carry the table Make these poles from that gill wood and overlay them with gold make special containers of pure gold for the table bowls pans pitchers, and jars to be used in pouring out liquid offerings Place the bread of the presence on the table to remain before me at all times. Verse 31. Make a lamp stamp of pure hammered gold. Make the entire lamp stamp and its decorations of one piece, the base centered stem, lamp cups, buds, and petals. Make make it with six branches going out from the center stem, three on each side. Each of the six branches will have three lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms complete with buds and petals. Craft the center stem of the lamp stand with four lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms complete with buds and petals. There will also be an almond bud beneath each pair of the branches where the six branches extend from the center stem. The almond buds and branches must all be of one piece with the center stem and they must be hammered with pure gold. Then make the seven lamps for the lampstand and set them so they reflect the light forward. The lamp snuffers and trays must also be made of pure gold. You will need 75 pounds of pure gold for the lampstand and its accessories. And the last verse from this Old Testament today is verse 40. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. Do it no other way. Do it as I have asked. This is God. This is God. Building a covenant community. <coughs> Building a place of worship. Worship and a place of of honoring Him and to hear from Him. He's establishing. And we find that today, you all, in Christ. And in fellowship with Christ and in fellowship with believers. We may not have the beautiful ark, the table, the lampstands, But we have something more precious. It's Jesus, y'all. Jesus. The New Testament says that your position as a a new Christian, or as as a Christian, is in Christ. That is your position. You are in Christ. You are seated with Him in the heavenly realms. You're not living just on the temporalness of this life. No, you have been born again of the Spirit. We rage war not against flesh and blood, but with the principalities and rulers in the air of the darkness. There is a spirit world that we can't see with our physical eyes. But we have been born of the Spirit to claim hold to the promises that God has set forth and found in Christ. And all through the Old Testament, everything that God is having them do Points to the Messiah. Points to Jesus. Because you remember back when we began our study in Genesis. God declared then and there. That there would, become, there would come one who will crush the head of the enemy. And that was Jesus he was referring to. And even as you read the Bible you understand that even before the foundations of the earth. The cross was already purposed. Redemption was already a plan. It wasn't a second afterthought. No, it was already purposed and planned. So everything that we're reading through the Old Testament is pointing us towards Jesus, the Messiah, the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world, to liberate the captive people and make a new people in Christ. That when he returns, he gathers us up. And for eternity, we will be with him. Where there be no more sickness, no more disease, no more tears, no more suffering. But a beautiful life. For eternity being the presence of our God. Oh God, help us to have a revelation. of How beautiful he is. And how we're called to worship him. And to honor him. He's very specific with detail. He's creating an atmosphere of worship and of respect. And oh, how we should maintain that when we're together. Go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, we're finishing that chapter. We're starting in verse 29. We're going to read through verse 51. So Matthew 24 verse 29 through 51 Jesus' words and you've heard me say before when you see the words are read in the Bible or when you know it's Jesus' words, this is when you should perk up if there's any time you're ever going to perk up, this is where you should perk up because these are Jesus' words captured for us to hear and yes, a lot of people uh, they don't want to hear Jesus talk this way we want him just to be an easy Jesus. <laughs> but that's not who he is. We need to see him for the fullness of who he is. Listen, I could tell you this. <laughs> what kept me from Jesus the majority of my life is how he was made to be this weak-willed God. A lot of people claiming they were Christians in my life as I was growing up. But there was no power Until you know Jesus. Until he steps into your life and goes, and you go, oh, Jesus. He's all powerful, you all. I don't need him to be a wimpy God. I don't need him to cower down to me and say, I'm going to make it all better for you. No, I need him to be God. You need him to be God. Don't strip him. Don't make him common. Don't don't make his blood common. Don't make what he came and he accomplished as if it's nothing. As if there's no meaning to it. Whatever, Jesus. No. He's God. God, because of your blood, because you willingly laid your life down for me? I was in complete rebellion towards you. You all were in complete rebellion towards him. And yet he came and he laid his life down so that you would be free. He paid the price. What he went through, you should have gone through. And so when he speaks, we ought to listen. And he's laying out the signs of the times. He's laying out and he's giving them an understanding. There's a day in which the end will come. And I know that makes people afraid. But if you're afraid, if you're a Christian, you ought not to be afraid. You ought to get the right understanding of who God is. The people who should be in fear are non-Christians. Because they are going to be wrapped up in his wrath. And I know, again, oh, I don't want to talk about that. That puts people off. Well, they need to hear it. Jesus saves us from the wrath of God. You have to choose his wrath. And that's why you've heard me say it over and over. Why would you deny his love and choose his wrath? Why? That doesn't doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense when I was doing it. Half of my life, I chose his wrath because I held my arm out against him and said, you're not God. But until he revealed himself, then you surrender your life to him and you go, you're God. And I want you to be God. Listen, I've tried to dumb him down to live how I want to live, have a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of the world. I've tried to dumb him down and make him nothing. I try to make him as common as as I can to be comfortable. (laughs) But I never satisfied in those seasons. Never once. Remember, I kept telling Gilda through a season, like, this can't be it. Like, I wouldn't have laid my life. I wouldn't have walked away from my life for this. I was in church. I was serving. I was doing. I was, you know. But I'm like, what is this? What am I doing? There's nothing in this. There's no power in this. Where's Jesus in all of this? Because I wouldn't have. I know me. I would tell her. Like, I, I wouldn't have laid my life. I wouldn't have gone. To enter this, this is weird. And it's not that Jesus did anything. I chose to go my way. And all along, he's going, What are you doing over there? I shared with you before, I went through that season, and then I said, Well, I'll go away. I'll go fast. I'll, I'll, I'll lay before you, you know, seven days. Oh, God, speak. I was fasting. I was praying. I was worshiping. And I'll never forget. The Lord spoke to my heart and said, what are you doing? Why are you working all this up to get my attention? Do you remember when you fasted in the beginning, how pure it was, how innocent it was? I received that fast. Do you remember in the beginning when your your prayers were so intimate and it wasn't out of duty, but it was just out of you wanted to be with me? Do you remember the days when you just sung because you were just in love with me and now you seem to get my attention? Now you're so far from me I remember just breaking, going, "Oh God!" He says, "Why have you made being in a relationship with me so hard? I didn't ask this of you." And I go, "Oh wow, it was beautiful. It was beautiful." Is your fasting? Is your, is your prayer life? Is your coming to church is it is you worshiping is it out of duty is it out of oh, i just got to do this i just want to be right with god Or is it out of a weird motive because it ought not to be see when you love him it's just innocent it's just pure it's just oh god You're the very breath i breathe god
0: Even when your circumstances are chaotic.
1: Even when I feel that pull to go back to those ways, and God goes, No, and I go, Yeah, no, no, no. I remember what it was like. I don't want that. See, when you know Him, you know Him. And Jesus is given an understanding like, I'm returning. And I long to be with my people. And you'll know when I'm returning. Look at the signs. Look, 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 look. No one will be able to say what day he's coming, but he's coming. And so we pick up verse 29. Immediately after the anguish of those days, remember how bad it was going. To, it's going to get. The sun will be dark and the moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the power in heavens will be shaken. And so remember as we read a few weeks ago when I was saying how and we were reading the scripture how as believers we are to be hurrying this day along by doing what we ought to be doing, announcing his kingdom, announcing who Jesus is, declaring the gospel. We're looking forward to this day with hope and expectation, not with fear, not with dread, not, oh, God, no, 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 no. We don't go and run from God. We run towards him. That's the believer's response. And if you're not there, pray to get there, especially if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, get right with God. But you ought not fear. You ought not fear his coming. It's of great hope and expectation. And then he goes on, at last the sign that the Son of Man, that's a title for Jesus, is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather, look at this, his chosen ones from all over the world. From the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. So in the same way, when you see all these things, you will know his return is very near. Right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from this scene until all these signs take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. And the church will say, Amen, God's word, God's eternal world word will never disappear. But everything else of this earth will. However, no one knows the day or the hour which these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the days and Noah's days. And those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. But people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is why, it, that, that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Remember in the days of Noah? They were wicked people. They were full of such wickedness that God was going to destroy them. But God remembered his covenant and there was Noah and he told Noah to build this ark for Noah and his family. And Noah went about building this ark. And the people of his generation mocked him, I'm sure. They went about their day to day lives, just carrying on, eating and drinking and being married. And then the ark door slammed shut boom! (laughs) And the rain came, the flood came. And they were washed away. I said, I've been saying it for years. I don't have time to write it, but I'm just going to write a book. Who's bounding on your ark? Because <laughs> I can only imagine what Noah had to hear. I can only imagine people running. Oh, now we want to be saved. Now, now, that is it. It's too late. It's too late. And so it is when the Son of Man appears and he returns. It's too late. Don't be caught on the outside. Because the symbol of the ark of the Old Testament is a symbol of Christ himself. All who are in Christ are saved. Oh, that I pray that each of us will be there He goes on. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taking the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taking the other left. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected. So faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, My master won't be back for a while. And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. And a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There goes Jesus, you all. That's his words. Be a good steward of all that you're entrusted with. He's entrusted us with the good news. He's entrusted us with his kingdom to go forth and announce it to the world who needs the hope that is only found in Christ. And the enemy is working overtime (laughs) to keep us busy with ourselves. (laughs) And we need to get over ourselves. And say, God, even in the midst of this struggle, even in the midst of this circumstance, even in the midst of this sickness, (laughs) I'm going to serve you. See, when I was waiting for all the reports and I've been going through all these health issues, my heart was like, oh, God, I use this for your glory. God, I just want to see your kingdom advance. I don't want to get so consumed with myself that I miss out on the opportunity to serve, to love others. Trust me, there's been seasons throughout these years where I have, I just wanted to walk away from ministry. God, I love you, I just don't want to do this anymore. Like, it's crazy. I fought years and years and years ago not to be a pastor. I said, God, let me be an evangelist. Let me just travel around the world, God. Let me just proclaim the good news. I don't want to be a pastor. Oh, God, please don't make me a pastor. I don't want to care that deep for people. That's horrible. But that was where I was at. Like, I understood the responsibility. Like, oh, God. And he goes, No, that's what I've called you to do to shepherd, to feed, to care. To go after the ones that that wander off. To go get dirty. To love. To maintain hope. To give others hope. Jesus you all, that's why when we get together I could get up here, listen in the beginning of ministry that's what I did I went to church to church, shucking and jiving I could put on a good show for you because in my old days I was an actor (laughs) I could get up here and and preach with the the most performed way (laughs) to keep y'all engaged (laughs) but God got a hold of me years ago and says that is not what I'm looking for. Just open up the word. And feed others. That's all we got, you all. We just got Jesus to give to others. You don't have to put on a performance. You don't have to know everything from front to left, from back to right. You don't, know how, you don't need to know all of this and, and that. All you have is Jesus. Learn of him. Yes, you need need to gain knowledge and wisdom. Yes, you need to grow and you need to mature. But don't wait till you get there to do. Do. Because he's with you. He's got you. He's calling you. Because he's returning. And are we going to be the faithful servants? As he just gave a picture of. Are we going to be the other servants? That'll be like, ah, he's not coming back anytime soon. I'm going to go out and get drunk. I'm going to go out and party. I'm going to go out and do me and do everyone else. And I'm going to be harsh on other people. Figure it out. You're one or the other. (laughs) You're either a good steward of what he's given or you're, you're holding a stiff arm towards him. And you're living your way. Doing your way. But God help us. The king is coming. And he's not coming as a gentle little baby. No, he's coming as a roaring lion. He's coming with all power and authority. And God make us, your people, so that we would receive him. Let's go to Psalm thirty. And again, I encourage you all. Oh my goodness, go to the book of Psalms. (laughs) Open it up, read it. These psalmists went through it. (laughs) They had every type of struggle you can possibly imagine. They've been up, they've been down, they've been blessed, they've been poor. (laughs) They've gone in, they've gone out. They have experienced life. And we're blessed to have the word of God. To open up these psalms, these poems, and these songs that these men wrote to give us insight on how we are to have a a level of knowledge of our God and how intimate He longs to be with us. And that no no matter what we're facing, that He's God. And I challenged you all before, keep God first. Because when He's first, you won't get sidetracked. Like when He's first, you'll go, even though... I can't pay my bills, even though I have my poor health, even though I'm having trouble in my relations, even though I'm having issues on my job. Like, first God is first. And God, I can look to you. And all this other stuff, God, I know that you can bring into order. And even if you don't, God, I know that you're still God. And I will trust that you will move on my behalf. And that you would keep me even in the midst of this. That my mind would be set upon you. And your words are just different. You can preach yourself happy. If you just keep gazing upon him. What are you gazing on? You want to know what you're gazing on? Listen to your mouth. Watch your attitudes. Listen to the thoughts that are running through your head. Oh, but come on, Christian. Know your God. Because you can take thoughts captive and bring them to the obedience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He's given you the weapons of your warfare to demolish these strongholds. And those strongholds are thought patterns that are captivating you, that are contrary to the truth of God's word. So you must do warfare. (laughs) Because he's given us the weapons of our warfare to demolish these strongholds to take thoughts captive. He makes a way out of every temptation. You can flee, you can run from it. Know your God, set your gaze upon him. And say, yes, Lord, I'm keeping you first. No matter how it's crushing up against me, I know I will not be crushed. No matter what may happen, I don't know if you watched the young man's testimony I posted the other night. If you haven't, I would just encourage you all to sit and take 30 minutes of your time and listen to this young man. Five years ago, he gave his life to Christ. He was in a gang. He was a drug addict. He was an abuser. He had everything going on in his life. He was in and out of jail, in and out of jail. But then his wife, I guess, decided she was going to leave. And all of a sudden, he didn't want to lose her, even though he was really harsh towards her, treated her horribly. He had kids. (laughs) And his twin brother told him, you need to go back to take you and your family to mom. Go stay with her for a bit. And I think it was two days later after he left, his twin brother was murdered out on the streets. Well, five years ago, God revealed himself to this young man. And this young man bowed his knees and accepted Jesus as Lord. And it has changed him. Like I've watched him over the past years change. Even in his ministry, I've watched him grow. Like this guy is is God has such a strong call on his life. His rap music is incredible. His lyrics are are like I've never heard before. They're so real, they're so transparent. And then I saw that he I saw the other night he was going to jail. And I was like, why is he going to jail? So I listened to him. And he was really honest. He says, I've been running for five years. Because five years ago this was supposed to be dismissed and it wasn't. So I knew I had a warrant out for my arrest. And he says, But God has calling me back to Egypt to deal with this. Because he's getting invites to, to travel everywhere, to go into prisons, to go overseas, but he can't go in because he has an active a warrant. And he says, you know, I probably should have done this earlier. He says, but I don't think God knew I I wouldn't have been in a place to go back. But I'm at a place now. Because where he has to go back to is the same city where his brother was murdered, where he lived. Where the gangs are waiting for him to return to kill him. And he knows that some of those gang members are in that jail. (laughs) But you have to hear him speak. He was like, but I forgive them. Like, I'm ready. If I got to go back, if I got to go back, then that's where I need to be. And I'm listening to him. I'm like, man, that is awesome. And then I heard that he's only been there like two days or two or three days, and all of a sudden he's leading the Bible study. (laughs) The first day that he was there, he led the Bible study. Eight people came to Christ. Like, lives are being transformed. And he says, I hope that the murderer of my brother is in there. I hope I get an opportunity to go up to them and tell them, I forgive you. I'm like, wow, you have to hear it. This is raw. This is real. And as I was listening to him, as I listened to his music, it kind of reminds me of the book of Psalms. I'm sure they weren't rapping it. (laughs) (laughs) But they're real. It's, it's, it's transparent. It's where I'm at. It's what I'm going through. So I would encourage you all. You need some encouragement. You need to get a picture of what it's like to walk intimately, hand in hand with your God. Go to the book of Psalms. <laughs> See how these people responded. How they lived their lives. Even when things weren't going right. Psalm 30. King David the psalm. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. O oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O oh, Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death sing to the lord all you godly ones praise his holy name for his anger lasts only a moment but his favor lasts a lifetime weeping may last through the night but joy comes with the morning when i was prosperous i said nothing can stop me now your favor O lord made me as secure as a mountain then you turned away from me And I was shattered. I cried out to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, What will you gain if I die? If I sink into the grave, can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Amen. Beautiful. Hope you are. (laughs) We're closing in Proverbs 7, 24, verses 24 through 27. Proverbs 7, verses 24 through 27. Listen, we've been talking about perversion. This proverb really hits home about the immoral woman warning men to not go, give themselves sexually, and be bound in perversion. But the same lessons a young woman or women can learn. Not to give over to perversion. We've talked how pornography is running amok. How craziness is just being displayed as if it's norm. And we must wake up as a nation. I don't know if you've seen the pictures over the past couple of days of all these people upset. (laughs) And I look and I'm looking at them going, And I'm to be moved to support you? It's filth. It's filth. They're lost people. There's no way around it. There's no way of coddling them and making them feel like, no, something is wrong. <laughs> when everything is escalating, as, as much as it is, as sex is being just... Everything and anything. I told you last week when I see a commercial of a woman eating a hamburger as if she, as she's enticed by it like she's having sex. I'm like, what kind of filth is this? Everything is being portrayed. Minds are being consumed. Lives are being destroyed. There's nothing good from perversion. There's nothing good going your way. God created sex and sex is good. Sex is not taboo, like, oh, we shouldn't talk about it. No, it should be talked about in church. <laughs> it should be talked about because God designed it, and He designed it to be good between a man and a woman in marriage. Anything on the outside of it is destruction. Oh, it may feel good, hey, I feel good, but it'll lead you to destruction. I just read an article about an STD, a sexually transmitted disease, that the scientists, not Christians, but scientists are warning that it's about to hit. And you thought AIDS was bad. They said there's nothing that will stop this. See, there's nothing good that comes from perversion. Even pornography. When men and women are trapped in pornography, they cannot have a close, intimate relationship with their spouse. Because they're consumed by images that are destructive. We must hear, the Bible has a lot to say about sex and marriage and how it should be honored See, every time we as mankind, as the created, choose to go our way, oh, we're going to reap what we sow to. You sow to the flesh, the Bible says you reap the flesh. You sow to the Spirit, you'll reap the things of God. Forget karma. I know the world likes to talk about karma, but you know, it's not karma, it's a kingdom principle. What you sow to is coming at you. We must know this. And it's captured in Scripture to warn us. Remember that woman last week? She came all seductively out, ran up to the boy. (laughs) Oh, I've been waiting for you. Come, come into my bed. I've prepared it just for you. Oh, don't worry. My husband's gone. He took a lot of money with him. He's going to be gone for a while. You come on. (laughs) And she was seducing him and playing his, on his insecurities. And he, she's trapping him. And so we pick up verse 24. So listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your heart stray away toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path. For she has been been the ruin of many, many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. And the same thing for your young girls. When the guys want to come up and talk to you. And feed off your insecurities. Telling you how much they love you. (laughs) And they know nothing of love. They're just there to seduce you. We must warn our youth. As adults, we must uphold purity. We must repent of where we've been and turn to God. And then train up the youth in the way in which they should go. And the way in which they should go Honoring Christ with their bodies Helping them through their insecurities So they're not looking to be fulfilled Elsewhere But they are filled in Christ Teaching them Honoring them See, sin when it's presented to us No matter what the sin is It looks right It feels good But it doesn't show you the end have you seen those smoking commercials? Oh. It kind of gives me this picture of sin. See, it looks good, it feels good, but it rots your body. <laughs> oh, I used to smoke, and then all of a sudden, and they take off, and all of a sudden, they don't have arm parts, their bodies are all corroded, they look horrible. I said, That is sin. That's what every sin does to us. It looks good, have your feel, pull, but in the end, it's killing you. And that's why I've always encouraged you. What does the flesh know to do? If you've been around, say it. To die. Your flesh, this very thing, all it knows to do is die. It's dying. It's decaying. And so it feeds off the junk of this world that's going to kill it even quicker. Oh, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. See, where does sin come from? The desire that is from within. The Bible tells us if we're Christians and we've accepted Christ, we know of his power. He has destroyed the power of sin. We don't have to be led by our desires anymore. We can say no. We can choose to say, I'll live today, thank you. I will not find my satisfaction in this. And isn't it funny when you talk to someone about their sin, They want to fight so hard to hold on to it and to keep it. What on earth? It's killing you. Oh, but i got to have it. i got to have more of it. No, you can't take it away from me. Oh, good gracious. I was no different back in the days. It just fuels you. And no matter what the sin is, it doesn't have to be perversion. It could be gossiping. It could be backbiting. It could be murmuring. It can be fault-finding. Whatever it is, whatever your flavor is, it wants to consume you. Oh, but God, he says, you belong to me. If you're mine, I want to consume you. Because I'm life. I'm the author, author of life. Remember it's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life in abundance. I want to close with this little portion of this devotional I heard I read earlier this morning. And it's just a reminder about choice. See, each of us are facing different things now in our lives. But you have a choice. Either face it head on and allow Christ get you through it or face it and yoke yourself with it. Give you choice. This is a reminder of that. This guy writes about this coffee cup of a phrase that was on it. It said it read, attitude is everything. In his book, Man's search for meaning. Viktor Frankl recounts the unspeakable horrors of his life. I'm sorry, of his long-time imprisonment in Nazi concentration camps like Auschwitz and Dachau, in which he was stripped of everything down to his naked existence. His father, mother, brother, and wife died in similar prison camps. Now, listen. I don't know if you know much. About the Nazis when they were around. I know you're hearing a lot about Nazis nowadays, but don't get fooled by the foolishness that's being said. You really want to know about the Nazis? Go study history. Go see what they did to these people that they held in these camps. The Jews, the majority of the people who were held in these camps were Jewish people. This was his existence. Stripped of everything, stripped of his family, stripped of his very existence, stripped out even of his clothes. And yet he found that despite his circumstances, he was never stripped of one of our last human freedoms. The ability to choose our attitude despite our given set of circumstances. Did you hear that? Frankel's experience should remind us that even though we can't always choose our circumstances, we can always choose our attitude. And with God's hand on our backs, we can choose to rise above those circumstances. How is your attitude today? Do your circumstances seem a bit overwhelming? And as a result, are they getting you down? Are you choosing like the apostle or are you choosing like the apostle Paul to rejoice when we run into problems and trials, rejoice with your gaze focused on Jesus Christ, the hope of all the world. The circumstances of your day are often difficult. They try our souls, strain our relationships, and test our resolve. Yet we have been called to make an impact on others and on this world. With God, we can choose our attitude despite. Our circumstances and press on press on you all choose you have the right given to you to choose this day whom you will serve are you choosing life found only in Christ are you choosing the temporalness of life found in the temporalness of this world looking at your temporal circumstance because even in the midst of your circumstance, that may just be chaotic and a mess. I pray that if you drop dead in the midst of it, your hand is raised praising him, and not with your fists clenched, screaming at him. God help us to make the right choice to live, to honor God, to worship God, because he's God. Amen? Let's close with the song of worship, and then I'll close with this in prayer.